0: Welcome to the Get Deep Podcast, where premium spirits meet quality conversation. Featuring your extremely good looking co hosts, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto. Now, take off those floaties, get your ass out of the shallow end, and let's get deep. Well,
1: hello, Mayor Massad.
2: Oh, please call me Najwa. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Najwa.
1: Hi, Aaron. (laughs) Thanks
2: for joining us
0: tonight. This is going to be fun.
2: Thank you. Yes, it will be.
0: We have been looking forward to having you on, and we appreciate the yes. Um, Although I will say we haven't had a no yet. We're hoping to keep that streak alive. Everybody's been pretty excited to come on and get deep with us. And uh, we know your story is deep, um, has some really cool roots uh, in it, and so that's what we're excited to let people know. I think a lot of people in the community do know who you are and a little bit about your story, but I think there's a lot who just know who you are, but don't know your story and where it began. So, Maybe uh, West, we should start with the Najwa's origin story. Do you want to? I go think that would be
1: great. Yeah, I mean, I think a number of us know that you're an immigrant and that you're you chased the American dream, right? I think that's the cool thing for me personally. Looking through your story and just thinking about that's what everyone thinks of when they think about America An immigrant coming to America, uh, starting a business, starting a family, and really doing everything that that everyone always uh, imagines when it comes to the American dream. So.
2: Okay.
0: Started in 1955, correct?
2: 1955 was the year I was born. Yes, Yes, it started in 1955. But actually, if you want to really get down to the roots of it, um, my grandmother, my mom, uh, my dad's mom actually, came in 1945 to visit her sister who lived here in Mankato last name Remy, the Remy Seed Company, sure. that was um, related to them, that would be her sister. She came um, to visit, and the World War II was going on, but it intensified at that point, a little bit before 45, I should say. And she got stuck here and didn't, never went back home. She had eight children. Mm-hmm. Some of them were married and some of them were not. My dad and my uncle were not married. They were one of the youngest. And she came here, and made a life of her for herself here by helping her family in Lebanon. Her um, uncle owned a grocery store right on Front Street, 631 and a half South Front. <laughs> um, and uh, the place is still there. And so she came here and then started a life. And then later on, she sent for my uncle Vic. That time he was 16 years old. So she brought him over here to finish school. So Uncle Vic came. By that time, my dad was married and had my brother and myself, and she said to her family, anybody that wants to come to the United States, I'll bring you. So the only one was my dad. Hmm. You know, it's funny because he wanted to do a better life for his family, so he packed up my mom and my brother and myself, and we came literally on the boat. Okay. And I don't know how many people know that we came (laughs) on the boat, and actually, we came to Ellis Island. Wow. Wow. So, you know, I, you, when you think about it, it's just like, oh, my gosh, my goodness, that we did come, and we did come on the boat, Statue of Liberty. I was too young to really understand or know that. And then from um, New York, we traveled on a train. This is what I was told, um, to Mankato. There was a train that stopped in Wausika, and then from Wausika to Mankato.
1: And you were five years
2: old? I was at the five time? years old at that time. Wow. And so that, that's how the roots of it. that.
1: How much of that do you remember? Do you I re- have memories of, like, the Statue of Liberty or Ellis I have, Island?
2: I have memories of the boat when we got on and left Lebanon. I could see my um, my mother's family just getting smaller and smaller in the distance. The Ellis Island part, I don't remember. I remember a little bit about a train. You know, sure. those just the little memories that came, you know. Snippets. in I remember the boat and stuff, but I don't, to be honest, I don't remember the Statue of Liberty at that time. So those are the roots that are my, from my grandmother starting here. Um, during World War II, and then we, we came in 1960, um, actually. So I was uh, five years old at that time. We came, and uh, my parents came, did not speak any English. Our first apartment was on top of the wagon wheel. Uh, yes. Uh, Front we, street, too. Front street, oh, yes, yeah. on top of the wagon wheel in the back. Mm-hmm. And so my dad worked at a gas station. Um, a car wash, I should say, I'm sorry. It was a car wash. And he was making 75 cents an hour. And, but he was able to, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. We didn't. We grew up not having a lot, but I always say we had everything. So through that I watched, you know, my, my work ethics comes a lot from my dad. My mom didn't work because she didn't speak any English at all. She would help, you know, do dishes downstairs at the wagon wheel because we lived in the back. So she'd go down and do a little bit of dishes and then come up.
1: Was that the Hafner's that still owned the It was Wally Hafner at that time.
2: That's what I thought. Wally Hafner owned it at that time. I mean, and then the kids, of course, uh, went on. Kevin, yes. Cool. Yeah, so that was the story, how we came to the United States. And, uh, and, you know, just seeing um, how my grandmother made a life for herself here and then how my dad brought his family to make a better life. So growing up here in Mankato, um, Mankato is home. Lebanon is the country I, I was born in. I'm proud, very, very proud to be Lebanese. Even if you ask my daughters, um, what nationality are you? They're Americans, but they'll always tell you that they're Lebanese because that's their roots. And sure. we always have to go back to our roots because the customs and the things that we grew up, um, how our parents raised us, really actually always come down to the roots of, of their parents and their gra- you know, our grandparents. So grew up uh, on Front Street, and uh, played in the alley in the creek behind, uh, <laughs> behind uh, the wagon wheel. And uh, went to St. John's Catholic School here in Mankato and then on to good council. And uh, so Mankato and is, is home. You can throw me anywhere. So the love of the, uh, the town that, that I love so much is, is Mankato. It's, it's the people, and, that's, and you, you grew up here, so you know everything and you know everyone. You know, it's right. it, it, it's different. This community is very, very different, um, and so that's how we. St- I came to the United States, and then I went to Lebanon to visit. My I, my mom had seen her family in eleven years, and we got to go on a. It was a church group, and that's how my dad could afford. For us to go. I remember it was $900 for the three of us to go to Lebanon. It was Pan America. Can you imagine how long ago that was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we did. We got to go to Lebanon. My parents, um, it was just my mom, my brother, and myself. And uh, we got to meet our family, extended family in Lebanon. And it was amazing. The people there are unbelievable. I think that's where the hospitality in the Mossad family comes. It's also because of the they're just they're very very warm people mm-hmm. and they you know you go there i mean there is i mean they 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 overdo it just to make you comfortable and happy so i was blessed on that part of it to um to learn the hospitality part because my mother also was very very much um she loved everybody you sure. know especially the university um I don't want to say kids, university, students that would come from Lebanon and they would be going to Mankato State College at that time. She would make a Lebanese dish and she would call one of them and tell them, you know, just bring four or five and we've got plenty of food. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we didn't grow up very much, but, you know, there was always plenty of food, there was always plenty of things. So my mom made that culture where people would come and enjoy, you know, the home cooking that they don't get because their parents are are out of the country. So that part of it, um, coming here and growing up in Mankato and then going to Lebanon and uh, seeing John. What
1: age were you at when you went on that church group? I knew you were going to say that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was 15. 15. Okay. I was 15,
0: yes. And uh, so... That must have been a little bit of a, I don't want to say, maybe it was a culture shock, but so you you pretty much don't remember... um, being in Lebanon before, right? I mean, you, your, first, your first memories were basically Minnesota, Mankato, yeah, Mankato right?
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so going back to Lebanon when you are 15, it, it is a different culture, right? I mean, it's your culture, it's your history. How did that feel for you? Do you remember Yes. what that felt like? And was it a big shock, or did it kind of feel naturally home?
2: It, um, it felt naturally home with the people. But my grandmother, we stayed with my grandma, and Grandma didn't have indoor plumbing.
3: Mm.
2: And like they did 100 years ago here, hundreds of years ago, um, it was an outhouse. It mm. was a hole in the ground. Yeah. And it was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> holy Mary, Mother of God. You had to go down the steps to go you know, to the, um, to the restroom. Sure. And so that was a culture shock for me. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, but my mom said, this is the way it is. Don't say anything. We didn't. Running water. They had running water, but it, no hot water. Sure. So they heat water on the stove and then pour to do the dishes or to take a bath. You'd sit in the kitchen on the thing and then with the little <laughs> thing and do it. So those parts were the culture shocks. Not the people... Not not the food, because that's what I grew up in. It was just the things that um, the we take for granted. The lifestyle pieces, mm-hmm. yeah. We, we take them for granted. I mean, electricity and stuff. You know, that's everything. That's why I say, you know, we are so... Yeah. I got to be careful with my words. Um, so blessed to live in this country, but we don't understand how blessed we are until we go out. Right. I think every young person needs to walk outside this country go somewhere and just come back and realize how blessed we are here whether it's our freedom whether it's our granted that our electricity is 24 7 water we i mean we can do whatever we want how fortunate are we but we don't realize it again we take things for granted and that's that's what the united states that's what america is all about you right. know and and you have to understand that part of it. That's, yeah, it's huge. so important. Yes, yes. And so that's uh, my story for Lebanon going. And then, of course, I met John. I always say I made him fall in love with me, even though <laughs> I was kind of young. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, we eloped. Hmm. So um, over there, eloping is a lot different than here because um, Lebanon is a very Christian country. It's um, more so then than it is right now. And uh, you just don't elope and go to City Hall. Sure. You elope and you go somewhere that is a friend of the families or someone that is um, related to you but in a distant. And so when you elope, like John, his friend came and asked me, told me, you know, this is what we would like to do. You know, John wants to marry you and all that. And I'm going, oh, well, it's 15. Oh, yeah. The heck. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Why not? So I d- <laughs>
1: Why I not? 15. Why not? <laughs> why That's kind of what Molly said when you asked her, right, Aaron? <laughs> uh, well, she first asked for
0: uh, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, there and you then go. It was like 18 sheep. And then, uh, something else I can't remember. Yeah. So why no wh- goats? No, no goats. It was sheep. I don't know why.
1: What was the? Uh, if I could, what what is the reasoning for eloping in that situation? Was it age? Was it? It was, was age, the and
2: my dad was here. Okay. And John had John did ask my dad for my hand in marriage, and my mm. dad said, "Have her come back." Sure. And then if she decides she wants to do it later on. You, it would be fine. Sure what fifteen year old listen to, yeah. <laughs> to their father, father. Yeah. really seriously <laughs> so what's
0: the age difference
2: 11 11 years 11 years yeah. okay yes. yes
0: gotcha so if my math's correct he was 26 yes okay um so you eloped and mm-hmm. were your parents pretty upset about that after they found out
2: um my dad was hurt okay my mother c- cried but you know it was done. You don't. Once you elope, you don't. Because you elope and you go, but you have a Christian um, wedding. You, okay. It's at the church. The next day, they get everything, re- you know, the bishops and stuff and mm-hmm. priests and everything were there. And my mom came and the family came. They always have to pretend like they're angry because, <laughs> 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 but <laughs> it funny. wasn't. It, it, was, it was a good thing. And right. I, yeah. I did good. I, I, I got lucky. I, Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, clearly it's all worked out, right? It has.
2: We just celebrated our fiftieth wedding (laughs) anniversary, August first. So So I think it worked.
1: Yeah,
0: that's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Thank you. That is wonderful. So you got married at fifteen to John Mm -hmm. in Lebanon, Mm -hmm. eloped. Mm -hmm. How long did did you stay in Lebanon for a while after that? Did you come back to the to the states? mm -hmm.
2: We did. We we got married in 1971. Marie was born later in 72. And everything was fine. My mom and dad came and visited. They thought they would um, come and uh, live in Lebanon. Um, But, again, got used to the United States, so they wanted to come back. So they only stayed, lived for a year and a half, and they wanted to come back. I -hmm. want to say home. So they came back home. (laughs) And then um, my brother, there's only my Tony and myself, my brother was going to graduate from high school, from Loyola. And... uh, I wanted to come and be here for his graduation. So John said, okay. So we had Marie at that time and we made plans to come in April, you know, then beginning of May to see for his graduation. And then in April of 1975, the war, civil war broke out in Lebanon. So we were very fortunate. Um, There was just a few bombings going on, but it was mostly in Beirut. Mm-hmm. So we weren't affected in our um, the Becca Valley at that point. So we left and we came here. And I was able to be here for my brother's graduation. And then the war intensified quite a bit in Lebanon at that time. And John's mom said to him, do not come back. Because John was very involved in the politics in Lebanon. And she said, do not come back. I mean, right now it's not a good time. And she, it was, she was very wise at that time because... Um, it was, it, was, it was really bad. It was really bad in Lebanon in 75. and um, So we came here and uh, tried to, you know, I didn't know that, you know, citizenships and, you know, green card and all that. I mean, come on, who knows all those things that, at that age? And so we stayed here. We applied, you know, for John and um, Marie for their green card. To me, I already had mine. I mean, Mm -hmm. why should I? Well, we ended up um, looking for work because we were going to stay here. I think that was the hardest thing. Uh, Being from Mankato, I couldn't get a job Hmm. because I didn't have experience. Uh. John couldn't get a job because he didn't speak English. Sure. So it was, uh, we lived at Homestead Apartments. You know, that was government subsidized at that time. We paid $94. A month for a rent uh, mm-hmm. but finally i ended up with a job at um uh, madison's do you remember madison's yeah, okay. up in um madison east mall yeah i walked in and um in lebanon at that time we're talking 50 years ago or at that time it was probably um 20 years women didn't work that much unless they were teachers sure. or if they um in the bank but nothing you know especially if um I don't want to say the Massad family were prominent, but they were. I mean they, they owned restaurants and they were very well known. Because people wanted that it was a school in Lebanon, it was called the Engeligier, and it was an American school where they taught English. And they asked me if I would like to go up and, you know, and John said, Oh no, you don't work. You know, So I didn't. So John in his mind, because of the culture, women shouldn't work.
3: Mm.
2: So we're walking in Matt. You know, we brought money with us for vacation. Right. And so there was a walk by the bakery at Madison East, in Madsen's, and it said, hiring. Mm-hmm. So John couldn't speak English. She didn't know what the heck I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I, there was this lady um, there, and I said to her, I said, can I have an application? Are you hiring? And she said, Yes. And so she gave me the application. John said to me, "What? What is that?" And I said, it's "Just a thing they want me. I would fill out."
1: So <laughs> You I seem to have a rebellious streak <laughs> in do. your young I,
2: days, yeah, right? I, I did, but no, <laughs> I was very quiet. Yeah,
0: eloping. Without
2: yeah, I know when you Father think about that. funny.
0: I love it. Tired. My
2: mother was crying. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. all good things.
2: <laughs> yes, all good things. At the end, see. Yeah, yeah. Life teaches you see? a lot. Wisdom, Wisdom. Right there. There. Yeah. There, yeah. You there. you go, West. there you go, Wes. There you go, the wisdom. So I, um, which is really a, a, a cute story because John didn't know. I filled it out, and I got, um, they wanted to interview me. So who goes with me? My father. <laughs> <laughs> to the so, interview? To the interview. And he goes inside, you know. Oh, so, no. Yeah, I don't think he knew. Well, but I, Anyway, bless so his you, heart. So you
0: were 20, 21, I was like that. No,
2: it was, Marie, was 75. No, you're going to make me think that. 75, I was 20, yes. <laughs> we <laughs> 20. do this to just about every <laughs> like, guest. We make God them God.
1: do some, some mental math on years and timelines. <laughs> so unfair, <laughs> well, so
2: unfair. I thought unfair. you said 75. Was it, was sure. 75 yes, okay. it was 75, yes. It was 75, so I was 20. And yes, yeah, my, yeah, my dad had to come in with me. And it's really, uh, this is interesting. Guess who um, interviewed me? Ernie Friesen, Tony Friesen's oh, wow. father. <laughs> that is a real cool Mankato story. Isn't that Very isn't that cool. neat? Huge. Yeah. Yes, yes. So um, Ernie um, Friesen was interviewing I mean,
1: me. Pause. I mean, you guys are a restaurant family, and you you become one, especially for Mankato. Um, but you grew up above the wagon wheel, which is arguably the most iconic cafe of of Mankato's history and then you end up working for one of the biggest bakers uh, ever known for Mankato history too. I mean it's just a fun cool evolution it, given your background too
2: I know that's why I said it just it's so interesting you know yeah. that how how things work out and uh, um, Ernie was uh, interviewing me, and he said to me, you know, you have to come to work every day. You can't call in sick. And bless my dad goes, my daughter, she never calls sick. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I've never had a job, Dad. No, yeah, but yeah. Uh, bless his heart. I mean, he was trying, you know, I did get hired, um, and I did work. That was our first, my first job. Now I had to go back and tell John that I had a job. It, it, it went very well. It went very well. Okay. I told him, and, you know, he was very supportive and stuff. So we had to look for a job for him. We went to Madsen's. John's a master chef. He can debone a chicken in one minute and two seconds. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. But, again, the language was a barrier. So he would sit outside with the little kids, and he would have them read to him so that he could follow sure. and learn how to um, to read English. And He spoke French,
3: mm-hmm.
2: so that helped a little bit. And then there was three um, teachers that helped him um So much in in learning English, they just, they took him in and and, and helped him um, a lot. And again, we'd go and look for jobs for him. He wouldn't. Do you remember the Holiday House?
1: Oh my gosh, my parents were huge regulars out there. What's the name of the... uh, Jim Martell. Yes. Uh, I wish I had it with me, but when they bought Zans, when my mom and dad Mm -hmm. bought Zans, they went out to the Holiday House to celebrate and immigrant story, it's kind of funny, Zan's is a Mexican restaurant, my parents have zero Mexican lineage, <laughs> right? And so Jim Martel comes out and says, what are you guys celebrating? They, they say, hey, we bought this Mexican restaurant. And he goes, just a second, and he runs back to his office, and he types out this letter on his own personal letterhead, and it says something to the effect of a Swede and a German buy a Mexican restaurant. They're probably going to sell hot dogs with sauerkraut. It's just this kind of comedy little piece, and it still hangs in my dad's basement to this day. Isn't that neat? He's just (laughs) such a character in such a special spot.
2: Yes. um, Unfortunately and you, you had um, never got... Did you go to the Holiday I House? I was or? never...
1: No, I'm 28.
0: You were too young. So was, oh, my yeah. God, you're a... yes. Oh, lordy Lord, Lord.
2: <laughs> it was the
0: place. Okay, the you Holiday walked, House. Oh, my God. Where was walked, the Holiday House located?
1: In between Mankato yeah. and St. Peter. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. You went in there. Um, we talked about restaurants here. You went in there. It was so classy. And they had a bar, mm-hmm. but the bar had appetizers like galore, and yeah. people sat... I mean, you had to wait like an hour, hour and a half, two hours for to get a... A table. If you, and oh, yeah. literally, it was a bottle thing. You brought your own bottle, and then they poured it for you. But mm-hmm. they, people nibbled on the appetizers. Then they went in for dinner. I mean, it was it was like a three-, four-hour adventure when you went there. It was quite
1: club-like. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a whole atmosphere to it. There was different rooms that you could go in, and spend time in. I, obviously, I never experienced any of this, but a lot of stories with my family from yes. the Holiday House.
2: Yes, so Jim Martell, we went in applied there. I applied as a hostess, Hmm. and John applied as a cook. And again, we were interviewed, but unfortunately, um, I didn't have experience for hostessing, and John didn't have any experience in cooking. So again, we were um, kind of sad, denied. Wow. So, you know, God works in strange ways. I always say, got to count on him because he'll take care of
0: you. At what point, though, sorry to interrupt you here. At what point did that start to light a fire under you guys to say you know were you more discouraged or are you more fired up like we're going to we're going to show people that we've got some skills here? We or, didn't at that time, okay. Aaron.
2: We didn't So um, he,
0: he wasn't he's 11 years older than you so coming from Lebanon was he a chef? In Lebanon or a master they owned chef? Rest,
2: yeah, I mean, his parents owned restaurants. It was dec- decades of restaurants, so, first bakery. So he had the experience in the food.
0: So I would think that would be frustrating for him then. More frustrating. You may not have had much experience, but it sounds like he had. He had, experience. Which,
2: which kind of frustrated mm-hmm. him because it just give me a chance to show you. Yeah, I can do this. And unfortunately, it, they didn't. We were at church um, and walking out, one of the sisters said to me, she goes, um they knew me because I went up to good counsel you know I was I was um, a student up there and they said our chef is leaving our cook is leaving for two weeks to Australia would would your husband come and help us out for a little bit um, and we'll pay you and I'm just like oh thank you very much sister so then I took John up there and again he doesn't speak very much English and he goes in and John's not the kind you know at that time to say you know I can do this I can do this so they told him to open cans they showed him how to open cans and he didn't say anything so he opened cans and and did the dishes he was washing dishes and opening cans and doing whatever they asked him to do that was like the first four or five days and he was he's quick because Mm -hmm. he's so used to it so they figured what are we going to do to keep him busy because we promised them you know eight hours you know full time so they go good council used to have apple trees galore up on top and so they had a bunch of apples, and they said to John, um, "Won't you?" You know, they thought, "Well, it will take him a few hours to do this." And then, so he asks for a steel to sharpen the knife. And then the, he looks around, he finds one, he sharpens the knife, and he starts doing the apples. Well, within about forty-five minutes, three, four bushels of apples were already cut up, ready to go <laughs> for pie. They couldn't. Then they realized, yeah, what they. And then they said, "Well, can you do this?" And then, so.
0: Just After started elevating his, his they, he already had the skills, they finally believed it.
2: They finally believed or, it, saw. yes. And so, um, again, God works in strange ways. The gentleman that left for Australia never came back. Oh, wow. So John ended up cool. being the head chef up at Good Council for the school.
0: And we'll you see. didn't sabotage his return by any means. No, you didn't like.
2: No, no, anybody- didn't call the Australia Council. No, I didn't. I didn't know them at that time. Didn't have those political connections yet. <laughs> not those yet. Were so she <laughs> said she just winked at me, though. So I'm not quite sure what that. So you'll, never know. you'll never know. <laughs> so that's how we started. I mean, in the food industry here, and uh, it was it was short lived um, because. Uh, Again, like I told you, John's family's into the restaurant business and they wanted to open another business. Mm-hmm. His brothers are very good, but John was the, the mastermind of, of how to open a restaurant, how to run it, and so forth. And his dad was getting elderly and had asked for John to please come back and help them just open the restaurant. He did, and I was pregnant with Carla at that time. He left for like about two months and then came back, and uh, this was 1977. We had, um, Carla was born in July, and in December, his dad called and said, if you don't come, it's not going to work. So when your father asks you, that is just, it's culture. Your father is asking you. It's not a demand. It's an ask, but out of respect, he said, we're going back. It's like, okay. (laughs) It just (laughs) got established. So we went back to Lebanon um, so that they could do it, and the Civil War broke out.
0: And this was in 1977.
2: This was in 1977. Carla was born, yes, in 78. Um, The Civil War didn't break out at that point. Uh, We were coming back and forth uh, just to keep up the the green card. And uh, I, I believe in 1980 is when it was still going on, but our town didn't get it. Until 1980. When I say get it, I mean the bomb's literally falling on you. I can remember, um, the we heard, we heard something, and, and again, I'm, I'm from here. I don't understand, you know, when we left in 75, it was only in Beirut. It wasn't mm-hmm. in Zahli. Yeah. And so when it happened, I can remember hearing something, and I can remember people screaming and running. I run, ran out, and they were saying, you know, the, 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 they're, they're hitting us. And Moray and Carla were at school. They go to school at the age of three. They start in Lebanon. I remember running like crazy, just like every other mother, is going whack. I mean, it was just, It was. I can't tell you. Finally, I saw Marie and, and Carla, and I grabbed them. We came in. At that time, John came in, and he said to me, see what you need, that you're not going to have electricity, and you're not going to have any water. Get whatever you can right now, and just stay put. Because we were on the bottom floor. Sure. So, you know, again, I'm looking at him like, you know, what the heck, you know? And sure enough, within a few hours, the electricity um, went out because they didn't want the, at that time, it was the Syrians knowing, seeing light and knowing where- For bombings, to, yeah. For the bombings bomb- to where it yeah. to, they do it. So all electricity completely went out in Sahli. In and so when refriger- uh, electricity goes off, you don't have refrigeration, mm. right? Uh, what a shock for an American girl. Sure. I'll tell you, um, it was, but you know, again, people are strong. We're all strong. You know, we all, some of us are a little bit stronger than others, but that's why I always say you can adapt to anything and what, it just makes you stronger. It just makes you um, who you are every single day. That's that. the parts that we go through in our life are so important Right. And I just remember the bombs falling, and in the bathroom, Murray and uh, Carla and then um, two other young kids would sit under the sink, and we had a little old, older lady that lived in our apartment building. They came down, so there was about 15 of us in the bathroom, and the little older lady sat on the toilet, I mean and Murray and Fufu and, and Tony and uh, Carla were underneath the sink, and we were all standing huddled in there, and you could hear it. I mean, you could literally, and the kids. This is what's so sad: the kids could tell you if the we were bombing or if they were bombing us. They could hear it from the whistle of the sure the bomb the direction that it yeah, because going go and then you'd hear the kids go, "Oh no, no, that's us!" Wow, it's just like how isn't that sad though? How yeah. these young children, and 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 then you wonder why, why why we can't have peace? Because you grow up in in hatred and it's such a beautiful country it is such a beautiful country and then you think about it because i can i'm on the outside looking in when you grow up and there's nobody telling you you know we're going to stop you know we negotiate talk or whatever it's it's an unbelievable thing it's it's a sad thing for kids to go to i remember when we came back and the fireworks on the 4th of july Listen to how listen to the fireworks. Doesn't yeah. it go? There's yep. that whistle, and then it comes out. Marae had a huge meltdown, almost like mm-hmm. a nervous thing, oh. because she thought we were being bombed, and it was just like, no, no, look, look at look at the lights, look at the yeah. lights. And so, it, it, it's sad, you know. You, you think of other countries that they that the children grow up, and so how how what how do they know any different?
0: Right. right. I They're mean, so how, desensitized to it that it they don't is. even know there's a better way in a lot of those countries, is what you're saying?
2: Yes, I mean, that's, it's...
0: Do the girls, um, do they remember that?
2: Marie more than Carla. There's okay. a five years difference between Marie okay. and Carla, and Marie remembers it. She does remember Yes, okay. Marie remembers it a lot more. She remembers sitting it sounds like in... like
1: she it. still has some trauma from it, some she, PTSD yeah, she almost. Does.
2: Yeah, but now, I mean, through living here and knowing, you know, it's... Longevity and and safety and comfort. Yeah, safety and comfort. Yeah, Yeah. that's, good. again, aren't we blessed? Really?
1: Absolutely. That's a great message.
2: Yes, I wish I could tell it to every young person. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I wish I could.
0: How do you handle that? Do you still have um, flashbacks to those times? And sometimes, I, I mean, have you maybe buried it more? Or do, you, do you still talk to John about those times and, and, uh, and, and it bothers you? Or have you kind of no. just moved on from that?
2: I've, I've moved on from it. Um, again, you have to. Mm-hmm. You just, again, that's, that's why I know sometimes I'm stronger than I, I think I am. Yes, I, I moved on. We do not talk about it. We'll mention it, you know, certain things. I remember only one thing that I was so upset I was so scared. I looked, we have a blessed mother that um, is in our hometown of Zahli. And it's, it's a huge thing. And we always say that she's the one that protected us. I'm very, well, if you can't tell, I'm very Catholic, and I'm very much for the blessed mother. Amen. Um, I turned around and I looked at her, and I said words that no mother should ever have to hear her child say about her. I was so angry with her. I was so angry. I was so angry not just for myself, I was angry for my children. I was an, um, angry for the the bodies that the, uh, of the people you know that had nothing to do with this, and and all for what? All seriously, all for what? Power. It's 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 so you know it's just. I. I
1: what was the main conflict that caused the civil war?
2: It was the Christians against the um the Muslim okay. sector. Religious. That was yeah. That's all it was. I mean, I shouldn't say that's all it was, but that's what the core was. And it, w-
1: yeah, for what Syria
2: wanted to come and overtake Lebanon, and that that was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, that's that, and that's what I was to- remember, and that's what I was told. I, you know, that's
1: well, that moment of you cursing at the Blessed Mother. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, whether it was that circumstance or someone losing a, a loved one tragically, I think we've all gone through. Moments of that in our lives where we're cursing God or really going through a struggle and we're, we're pointing our lack of understanding of what is the purpose of this? What kind of possible good could come from this? And we're asking those questions. And so I think that's a a really powerful moment for sure. And understandable in your shoes, given everything you had gone through.
2: It is. I, I, you know, I, I, to this day, I kind of regret it when I think about it because it comes back to me. Um, And I had mentioned to a sister once that I, you know, you want to confess something that you did. (laughs) Um, She looked at me and she goes, it's all right. It's okay. They expect it. Mm -hmm. Who else are you supposed to lash out at? Right. And so, um, but I have such a strong faith in our Blessed Mother that, um, you know, I think that's how I got through it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it, it's your faith. Uh, and what, what, uh, I don't care what religion you are, what sector you are, whatever. If you have faith, it's just, it's, it's someone that you can talk to, that's someone that understands you, that never answers you back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so Which that, is maybe that, a good thing, right? Yeah, yes. If they answer at that back, point. you might not like the <laughs> <Yeah>. answer. <laughs> you know,
2: someone said to me, I, they you know, when you go to heaven, you won't have to ask, because I will see. I'm going to ask him why this is, you won't have to answer, because all your questions will be answered at that moment. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and you had gone to Good Counsel, which mm-hmm. uh, was not at the time, but eventually it's, it's all part of the Lyola Catholic school yes. system. Um, I think you might have been the same class as my aunt, Anne Wright. She was Ann Simmons at the time. Yes, I think, I think you think were at least close. younger.
2: I think she, Ann was younger than I was.
1: Yeah, because I, I know my mom um, knew that you were an upper mm-hmm. class friend from her yeah. at the time too. Yes. So, uh, really good experience there. I'm assuming. Yes, yeah. yes, and yes. and obviously developed relationships with some of A the sisters. Lot. And
2: yes. And, and the girlfriends, I still have them to this day. So, yeah, yes.
1: That's great. And you even recruit some of your current employees for the businesses Absolutely. from that school system.
2: Absolutely. My little grandson goes there, so, yeah, yeah no, that's... It's really cool. Yeah, it's part of Mankato.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know you have a special spot in your heart. From I'm Iowa. an alumni. Did you yeah. know that Wes is an alumni? Of, of Loyola? L- yeah. Yeah, yeah. twenty twelve. Okay, twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Old. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Good old yeah. West over here. Oh, yes. Well, yes.
1: it's it's longer ago than it seems because <laughs> every time you talk about those days, it feels like it was yesterday. But sure. Um, yeah, it's it's a really cool school, and I think we've had a few guests now that have had uh, their children or their own stories related to Iola. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's clear and obvious that that's a, a special place in Mankato.
2: It is. It yeah. is. A little prejudiced, but it is. But we're blessed with such wonderful um, schools here in Mankato. I mean, education, top-notch. Huge.
1: Top-notch. It's really important.
0: Yes. Yes. It is. I'm going to take this moment, uh, just because my glass is a little empty here, to do a shout-out to our fantastic spirit sponsor. And uh, that is our good friends at Chan Creek Ranch and Winery. Uh, Wonderful place. Uh, most people are familiar with their delicious wines uh, that they make, but a lot of people aren't familiar that they have a whole ranch road series of bourbons and whiskies and gin and what else am I missing Wes?
1: Oh, rum and vodka and all kinds of really good spirits. Um, I did this I think an episode ago, but they posted another update on the days of bootlegging out at Chankaska yes. There was a Facebook post where they talked about the fact that they had tunnels that went from the house down to the river. And then there was an opening down there where folks could enter and sneak into the house to get their their bootlegged liquor, but also play cards and do all kinds of things out on that property. So they have deep roots when it comes to the distillery side of uh, being producing great spirits down there for a long time.
0: Right. And obviously the best experience is to go visit them physically and uh, check out their, their uh, tasting room as well as their spirits room and just enjoy the the environment and the grounds. The grounds are beautiful, especially when the, the trees are uh, full and things are in bloom and they've got a great bonfire pit area that you can chill out there in their patio. And, and when it's not
1: zero day. degrees or negative 20, it Prob- depends on which day of the week
0: it is. Yeah, probably not tonight. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, unless Najwa's up for... A late bonfire. What do you think, Najwa? Yeah, no. Too? Okay, she says no, so we'll listen to our guest. But thank you, Chan Casca. We surely appreciate the the uh, partnership.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, so going back into your story, Najwa, uh, we had kind of left off as you had come back uh, from the Civil War. When, isn't there a little bit of a story, too, even how you got out of the country during the Civil War, too? Yes.
2: Um, it was... Uh, Again, we were being under bombs, and then at that point, again, Wes, it's, it's um, isn't life funny? It's full circle. John was the one that wanted to, to leave. He mm-hmm. was done with it. Um, you yeah. said, make up your mind, John. You want to go? You want to <laughs> leave? What's going on here? Basically. But no, he makes up his mind, because I, I was scared. I did not want to leave, I because imagine. I didn't want to go through the, the checkpoints, because there's checkpoints. Mm-hmm. And... uh Thank God, I was naive at that point because I didn't know John's name was on the checkpoints to be, you know, they, his name. If he went through, he would be caught because of the political mm. thing that he was in. So thank God for that. Um, again, because he was connected um, politically, he knew that this one evening that um, Israel. Oh, this is an Easter. I got to tell you about this first before I move on. During the war. Um, the Israel were going to start bombing not us, but the Syrian parts of Lebanon, where Syria was. And the planes would go up. And you hear about the, um, let's say a plane went up, and another plane would shoot uh, a missile, but that missile would follow.
1: Seeker. Yeah. Is that what it is? See, I this think is so.
2: how, uh, yeah, I, I have no yeah. clue. We were out on the balcony watching them. Wow this it's it's insane we were on the balcony watching the kids all of us and it would do it and then they would follow and then all of a sudden you would see the pilot jump out and the parachute and then the plane would explode wow. i mean it wasn't with it but it was like from here let's say to sibley park or what it had Holy to be ground. both
1: riveting and terrifying at the same time right i mean I, it, you kind of can't well, look away in like yes. a bad car accident but at the same time so just absolutely terrifying
2: when I think about the things that we went through, it's just like, man, <laughs> I don't know if I'm sane, but um, I'm lucky None to... Be- <laughs> you, None of us are, for <laughs> the record. None of us are. It's fully... it idea. is. It's the bombs. I mean, you just, you know, you relive it when I talk about it, you know, just the how, how scared you are. I mean, literally, that it's... You catch You catch your breath because my husband's crazy. Everybody knows, John knows that he's insane. <laughs> wanted to keep the restaurant open for the fighters, oh. so he would leave the house and literally I am not i mean the blessed mother is my witness. He would open the door from my kitchen our kitchen door and he would literally take one leap because the blessed mother was biased, and they were up at with the blessed mothers the snipers mm. shooting our the, the the citizens of Zahle. Oh.
3: Mm.
2: and he would take one leaping. And to get on the other thing, and they'd have to go through, you know, they put the sand and stuff, barricades, and go through the um, homes to get to the restaurant. And sometimes he'd be there like for a day or two, and I would not know.
1: it, it was, was that it was just crazy. because he was that committed to? He was kind committed of the to make cause sure that and the cause, side. yes,
2: and to make sure that the the fighters were getting something to eat. Wow! Because he'd bring in his workers. And they would they would cook mm-hmm. and they would get everything ready and then they would send them out to the different spots that. Uh,
0: how did the this um, involvement for John, right, uh, very involved in politics mm-hmm. within Lebanon, mm-hmm. um, did that start at a really young age for him? Was it his father? His parents were very it's involved. Him. I mean, how? Wh- mm-hmm. What what is it about John? I don't know John that well, you know, by any means. I've met him before, and I know that his English is better, but you know, it's and still a great <laughs> know, chef. Oh, fantastic <laughs> we fantastic that chef. Um, but what is it about John? What's it, what is it about his spirit, his, his character that makes him who he is? Why, why is, he, why did he want to join the, he,
2: he wants everything. To, um, if there's an argument, John will be the first one that steps in and tries to break it up, you know, tries to calm everything down. He wants peace. Yeah. He, that, yeah. And so he was always like that. So you know, the political parties, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to use Democrat and Republican. That works. And so, you know, how we, uh, we argue among each other and, you know, this. And so he'd be at these meetings and they'd be, you know, arguing, you know, among each other. You know, not the Syrians, it's <laughs> the Lebanese people arguing with. And, you know, he'd be in there and he just just, you know, like, all right, let's calm down, let's do this. So that's how, and his friends were in politics, so I think that's part of it and then restaurant business you get to know so many people people come in and they do their meetings there right. and so forth and so that's I think that was the involvement in it and he, and he 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 loves it he loves that that part of it and so he was that's why his involvement in that
3: Well
1: and in a non-violent way he was still yes. very much a part of mm-hmm. that war mm-hmm. through that effort I mean yes. that is very intense to have to dodge sniper bullets and <laughs> travel through people's houses to get get safe passage yes. to work to...
0: It's crazy. It, it's part of the war effort for sure. Yeah. It but puts th- it another um, level of risk it for the biscuit uh, <laughs> in my soul mm-hmm. when I think about him jumping mm-hmm. from yeah. thing to thing. Right. I mean, I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, Never. Najwa, risk it mm-hmm. for the biscuit. But, no. wow, uh, that's amazing.
2: And that's what gave him the courage to... Um, to understand that uh, I got to get my family out of there. Yeah. M- me, I I was naive. I got, I'm telling you, I was naive. I knew the bombs, and I knew I had to take care of Marine and Carla, and, and make sure that everything was, you know, all right um, in our family because he's he was gone. Mm-hmm. So I was responsible for for the, those two girls.
0: I wanted to ask you about that being a parent. Like I, I'm a very new parent, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself, it's happened. This last handful of minutes, I've been thinking. If I was in that situation with my wife or just even by myself shielding my kids from this or trying to walk them through this or explain it to them, how in the hell do you do that? How do you help, how in the hell do you explain to your two young girls as there's bombs dropping and missiles going up, taking mm-hmm. out planes to make sense of it um, when you're trying to make sense of it yourself and hating it yourself, what's going on? How do you do that? Do you, do you think that you just were getting through it, and you just kind of went from moment to moment. Or was you it, have do you to. remember saying anything to them during you have those to. moments?
2: You just you know they you know they'd ask oh you know why, and it, you actually have to say I don't know yeah I don't know why they're doing this I don't know I mean do they they want to take over you know Zahali, they want to come here you know and it, it, it's it's so difficult because it's easy if you if you know the the answer to tell them but nobody really knew the answer nobody knew really why you know okay you want you know take over now when I see like Russia I want to take over Ukraine and then I see the you know they had on the news how they were talking to these families this American family that had the two kids and and it's just like you, you go the flashback you know we're watching on TV there was a marine that was stationed in Lebanon um He came to our house for dinner once because John told him, you know, you come over and because John spoke his his little English, but he knew that his (laughs) wife spoke more English. You can come and you can talk with Najwa. And and he came. And he said to me, I'll never forget his words because it is so true. He said to me, you're going to go back and people are going to ask you and you're going to tell them things that happened to you and what happened in Lebanon. He goes, it's going to be like a movie to them. They're going to listen to you they're going to feel bad, then the movie's over. It's forgotten. And I said, you know, that's not true. But life is that way. Right. It is. Um, We go through things. We share. We feel, you know, like I always say, when somebody that's close to us, a friend of ours, passes I look at my husband and I say, life is too doggone short. What the heck are we doing? <laughs> I'm watching my language. Well, you West. don't need it's to. so hard. You don't you
1: know. need to. we that E on this episode, whether we or not I told we her beforehand <laughs> she can say what she wants.
0: She is the mayor. Yeah, Again, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, to yeah, say what she wants. That's why I'm drinking water. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, but um, it is. It, it's true. That, I mean, it, that's, that's life and that's... Um, it's deep. It, it is, and again, you know, you, you when you live in that moment, you like I said, I say to John, "What the heck are we doing? We're, we're, you know, we should be retiring. We should be enjoying our life right now." And then a week and a half passes, and then I've got a convention that has you know like seven or eight hundred people, and he's busy at Allah's. and Massad's is calling <laughs> back to the grind, <laughs> and it's just like back to the grind. You f- yep. you, you forget you, just keep going. you forget that's and again I say that's life, that's human nature, right, and that's who we are. But um, yes, when you look at your you know your little ones, and uh, because you do everything you can now, if they get sick, you just you know you're holding them, you're cuddling them, you just want them to feel better. And when it's out of your hands, Erin, I you know all you can do is just you have to. um, I was always told stay strong in front of them, never show them. To this day, you always have to stay strong because. They'll look at you, and if you're panicking, even at work now, <laughs> when we have a large convention, I'm, I try to t- say to myself, don't get excited in front of the little ones, because if you, then they're going to get off. And sometimes I'll say to them, "So true." my peers are out there. I'm going wacko here. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to smile, but in my heart, I'm be- my heart's beating that everything is good. Do you hear me? But I let them know that I, I'm nervous. I let them know. Right. But again, I'd have to show them that, you know, No big deal. We're going out there, we're feeding a thousand or two thousand people. It's just like a drop of the hat.
1: Imagine timing a meal for a family of four and having multiple Courses and now multiply that times yeah. two hundred and fifty, and you've got nauseous yeah. job. Yeah. And by the way, doing it with a staff that probably some of them weren't able to show up for various reasons, yeah. and right. yeah. you know some of them are still learning, and yeah. then something breaks because naturally that happens in the business, and then Only you run out of an West. ingredient.
2: Only once, never run out ingredient. Never. Oh. <laughs>
1: I'm Lebanese. We never. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, well, oh, that's I always a good that.
0: Motto. I shouldn't <laughs> say that. <when laughs> Sometimes it's of our show. I just crossed her heart. <laughs> as she yeah. said that never. Run <laughs> out of ingredients,
1: yeah. No. Well, and uh, you know, it's just we'll get into the restaurant story for sure. But it's uh, it's a tough business, and so it's it's really cool <laughs> you having sure know. had a lot of meals that you've served on the convention side. Um, it's really cool what you guys have been able to pull off for year thank after year because you, you, you do such a nice job. Thank you,
2: thank you so much. So. Yes, I'm blessed with the staff I have. So.
1: So back to your story, though, on the way out of, of Lebanon. Lebanon. Yeah.
2: We were, um, John knew that the Israelis were going to be bombing that night. So right away he gets a car. He comes and he says to me, pack what you want to take, but just a little bit. We were leaving at, um, I think it was either midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning. I go, are you crazy? Did you tell your mother and father? He goes, I'm going to go talk to my mom and dad right now. We're leaving tonight. He didn't tell me that they were, he just said we were leaving so we pack up the kids, or pack up literally just a few clothes, and then we head out, and we go through the mountains instead of going, you know, Lebanon's all mountain, but for to go to Beirut, it takes 45 minutes. This takes over almost two hours because we're going up the windy roads and, and and through. And we'd go by the checkpoints, but, but the Syrians knew that they were being going to be Bombing was going to be happening, but they didn't know when, would not come out. They would just go with their hand like this. So we passed and we got to Beirut. Now we got to Beirut, and you couldn't leave Beirut unless you were a citizen of another country. So we went to to the port. John went with a cousin of ours. And um, we connected with the Canadian Embassy at that point. And then they connected us with the American Embassy. And we showed them we were, the green card. Mara- Carla was born here, so she was an automatic citizen. So right away, um, they got our papers. Um, and then they had to send it to uh, another um, part of the port, as they call it, to make sure that everything was, um, and it was. So now we they take you to this little, on, on this little ferry to this huge ship. How do you get on the ship? One person grabs you and puts you up, and the other one grabs you by your hands, and then they pull you up. <laughs> oh, my dear Lord. Really? Yeah. It was, yeah, that yeah. was not, it was, that I because the sea is right there, the Mediterranean Sea is right under. I can't swim.
1: Can you, Aaron, can you picture someone pulling me up by my <laughs> <laughs> maybe they not, did. They, maybe not one, Wes. But we get uh, you up there. They did. They did. That it, would be a, a scary moment. It, and it was very. Was it a big ship? Because it was a. Was it a cargo ship? Or it what was, a was a cargo it? ship.
2: Yeah. A ship that carried um, animals. Mm. So there were, That's how they got like you out.
1: Livestock animals. Livestock. Okay.
2: And so that's how they got you out. So you went down, and and I don't know. Someone had told me to get Dramamine. Um, Is that for? First yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. So we got some, um, and we got into the ship, and the, the, the livestock was in a certain area, and there was people, Canadians, I mean, all different nationalities leaving Lebanon. And again, John, in his wisdom, told us, got us into a corner, and he said, sit here and don't move, and do not feed the girls anything, and don't let them drink. Hmm. How are you going to tell these kids, well... There was only one bathroom on the ship, uh-huh. and there was over 400 people. Very smart. Very smart at that point. People were getting ill because the sea. You know, it usually doesn't take that long to get to Cyprus. It took 24 hours. It took us 24 hours. People were getting sick. There was light. I mean, it was it was the most horrendous thing. And I kept looking at John and saying to him, "What the heck?
3: Yeah,
2: I did you do to us? We, we were safe. I mean, we were." To me, we were safe. We, we weren't going through all this uh, thing. So we get to Cyprus, and they're letting people off the, um, the, the ship. And it was like, you know, have you ever seen those ropes, like um, bridge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it was like to get out. It was, I'm sure everybody, we didn't know what we looked like because we couldn't see ourselves. So we get off the ship. And the best part in the whole wide world is you get off the ship, and people are there, and all of a sudden I turn around and I look. Oh, God, look at the sea.
0: Goosebumps. Goosebumps, yeah.
2: There was the American flag.
0: Mm.
2: Oh, my dear blessed mother, there was the American flag. And I looked at John and I said, that's the flag, that's the American flag. we got to go this way. So we went, and sure enough, it was the consulate trying to help people but it was the only American flag that was there. People were walking around. I don't know if they knew that how they were supposed to get to where they were. All I knew is that I saw my flag, and I went there. Right away, they said to us, they saw that we had the two kids. They asked us, um, you know, is there anything you need? And, and we said, no, we have money, we have everything. And they said, um, we'll help you get on the flight to get back home. Um, but it won't be until tomorrow. They told us which hotel to go to. They took care of the hotel just to make sure that we were safe. And then they showed us where to go. We walked into this hotel and the lady looked at us and because we had the paper from the consulate, they understood, you know. So they took the thing and we walked in. First thing we did was we gave the kids a bath and then we took a shower and then John goes, the kids were hungry. I mean, can you imagine? Twenty
1: four hours. <laughs> Twenty four hours, Traveling. and these kids
2: were not. I mean, they were so good. As all, what I remember is that they were very, very good. We come down to go to ask, you know, where is the place to eat? The lady didn't recognize us after our show. I'm sure we smelled because <laughs> of livestock and people getting sick on the um, boat, yeah. and so we got to eat. They got us on a, um, a flight, British Airways. Mm. To, um, from Cyprus to London, and then from London to um, Chicago,
1: and that's well. Listening to you tell the story about seeing the American flag and and you saying that's my flag, that's my country, mm-hmm. that gives me goosebumps. That's I mean that's a really cool story.
2: You had to see it, Wes. You had to, I mean you know you can I can tell you about it, but that's why I told you. Whenever I talk about it, I just get the goosebumps because I can see it waving. In Cyprus, I can see it now. If I close my eyes, I even with my eyes open, I can see it. Hmm.
0: It's a, uh, it's, it's amazing.
2: It's yeah. amazing how they take care of their people.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Um, wow, you know, uh, we've got, we we just have such a cool country that we're a part of, and uh, yeah. we're
0: so fortunate. Yes. I know we keep
1: saying that, but it's true.
0: It, we. We, we have such a great country, and, and uh, unfortunately, I think there's such a divide right now. And a lot of people who have lost faith in our country. What makes me excited about our country and, and to get rejuvenated about it, um, even more than I already am, is hearing stories like yours. It's hearing stories about how blessed, like you said, we are to be here. We have our faults. Every country does, every person, we all have our faults. But knowing and being reminded by your story uh, reignites my passion for it. In fact, I, I think we ought to put probably an American flag up on the wall here, Wes, at some point, <laughs> somewhere. But it's just, you know, most people have never had to go through what your family went through. Oh. And they read about it in a story, in a textbook, in a history book, or perhaps talk to somebody like you on a podcast podcast and say, wow, that's amazing. But like you said, without being there, we'll never fully understand it. So, um, which brings me to my next point, I guess, not to put you on the spot, Nashua, but to those people who are questioning our country, you know, Mm -hmm. for somebody who wasn't born here, what do you say to those people that are frustrated, disappointed, maybe a little disenfranchised with what's going on, what do you say to them as a, a person who loves this country and wasn't born here?
2: They need to go. Go figure out. They think Russia, Germany, France, any other country is better than their country? Go out. Go look. Go see. And then come back. And then you'll know. I can't tell you. All I know is I can tell you from my experience and from a lot of other people's experience. You don't know what you don't have unless you go out there. You'll see what other people don't have. And see how lucky, how damn lucky, and I will use that word, you are to live in this country. Because you can say F to this one, and you can say F to that other one, and no one will say anything to you. They might say something to you, but your life isn't at stake. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to shoot you. They're not going to go after your family. You are so frickin' blessed to be in this country, to be able to do. No, we're not perfect. Are we divided? Absolutely. I'm not saying we're not. We are. It's a shame that we are. But we stand strong because if anything anything happened in this country, divided or not, we would stand as one. Mm -hmm. It was proven in 2001. It was proven that we stand as one. Unfortunately, right now, yes, we are divided. I pray to God nothing happens, but maybe something has to happen to prove to ourselves that we are one country, right. we are one, one family. I should say.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
2: T- don't, don't get me excited. <laughs> I loved <laughs> it. Called,
0: it's called passion, and you are full of it, and I love it. Um, in fact, uh, a quote that I read about you, uh, Nashua: sharp mind, soft heart. Would you say that's accurate? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good quote wow yeah what do you think sharp mind soft heart do you think know. that's accurate for you and if it's not accurate then correct me and tell me a better one <laughs> <laughs> not trying to I'm, define you in one phrase no
2: but. no i sharp mind that kind of surprises me but um <laughs> <laughs> soft heart i don't let people see it I'm um sure. Especially my employees. <laughs> no, I do. I I, I do. Um, sharp mind, that that. Yeah, I try to be.
0: Right. I try
2: to be. Um, soft heart um, underneath, way underneath.
0: Do you uh, do you consider yourself a good leader?
2: Yes. I because when I say a good leader, I you have to have. I'm just going to use an example from my kids. When I say my kids, I don't mean my daughters. I mean my employees. Sure. I love Um, that you refer to them as that. They are. They're my kids. They're my children. I don't care if they're 40 or whatever they are. They're still my kids. The one thing when I interview, I make them understand that nobody is better than anybody when they work for me. We're all one. My name is on that door. Big, fat, hairy deer deal. And that's exactly what I tell them. It's ink. It can be erased.
1: I love it. On that same note, I reached out to uh, Bruce Tanoff, who I know oh, was a Lord. former employee, right? <laughs> uh, good friend of mine. And I just said, Hey, you know, we're gonna have Najwa on the podcast. Do you have any insights, anything that I should know? Um, he said, Well, you can probably find a lot already on her. There's a number of profiles. But one thing I would say is, I just love her. I love her attitude and her heart is so big. She's the mom slash grandma you never know you needed. Mm. And uh, he's told me in other conversations that you're that way for a lot of your employees and that that sentiment is shared by your staff widely. So big testament to you and your character. Thank
2: you. It's, it's important. Um, You know, Wes, when you tell me that, you know, we do a good job at the civic center. Uh, It's the kids. And when I say the kids, it's the 14-year-old. And why do I hire them? Because nobody would hire me because I didn't have any experience. Mm -hmm. So how the heck are we supposed to have experience if somebody doesn't give us that opportunity? Each child that walks in and is um, interviewed and is um, hired by me becomes my own. The work ethic that I taught Moraine Carla is the work ethic. And I tell them, your parents are the number one. They are the ones that teach you i'm just going to help push that a little bit more and yes we work hard Um, i respect them they respect me but they have to under they understand and have to understand that i will never ever ask them to do something that i don't do so when we're out serving damn Mm -hmm. right i'm out serving with them right because that's just the way it is. We work as a family. We work as a team. Mm-hmm. And if dishes need to be done, I'm the first one scraping and, and, and doing it. When they see you doing it, that's why with the leadership, yeah. you, can't, you can be a good leader by telling um, people what to do and so forth. But you're a better leader if you lead by the example that you are you want others to do and that's what the kids that's why when the kids leave and they call back and they say um i i tell them you can't stand still you can't if you can't you got to keep moving you know as long and you can talk with each other i don't care as long as your hands are working as fast as your mouth you can do it so they understand from the get-go what we are and what we stand for and that's them it's it's, their, it's my name out there when they're going out there, but it's also their name. I tell them, you know, you might see Wes, and he might be your next employer.
3: He,
2: you will, he'll want you if you are as good. Smile. Mm-hmm. Smile because you know what? Somebody might be having a bad day, and they're going to take it out on you.
0: Yeah.
2: you yeah. Know, smile. Keep smiling and just say to them, sorry, thank you. And, and they do, and you, you see them, they come back. I praise them when they're good, and I definitely tell them when they're not. But, you know, what is so important to me, because, again, the hospitality of my family and so forth, you, when you guys are um, out there listening to your speeches and listening to anything, those kids are actually inside the kitchen getting two table eight-foot tables ready. One is wiping the table down. The other one is getting the chairs, and they sit down as a family, and they have dinner together. So while you're out there, my kids are inside eating and talking to each other, I say to them, at that time, you can talk about whatever you, you can even talk about me. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. When you're working, you talk about work. Yeah. And so that's, you, you teach them that culture, that right. leadership, you lead by example. I love oh, that. I you're was not,
1: taught. You're not just training workers, though. You're you're building young men and women. Absolutely. And that's evident in your leadership style. And, and that's a huge asset for the community because not every community has an employer like that so
0: that's huge
2: huge. a huge asset for me that that, that's the one thing that i want to be known for when i go to heaven i was just uh, gonna
0: say is that your biggest legacy
2: that's my biggest legacy are my kids that's the biggest legacy ever is is um because that's something they'll carry forever you know people will always forget things but they'll always remember you you know even if they say oh yeah I used to have this boss. Her name was Nancho. A hundred years ago, and you know, she taught me that we don't stand still. You know, I get calls from my kids that are in college. I got a job at the catering at St. Thomas Bell, and they couldn't believe how good I was. I didn't stand still, you know. And I thought of you, and I, so those those are the blessings that that I yeah. get with the, with my um, my kids.
0: That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. You should be proud of yourself.
2: I I'm proud of them.
0: You Thank should be you. proud of yourself, though, too. Thank you. Yeah, you absolutely should. 27 years in the catering business. Mm.
2: At at Najwas Catering, yes. 1995? February 2nd,
0: 1995. February 2nd. So uh, literally yesterday. Yesterday. (laughs) Wow. Um, So in 27 years of catering, narrow it down to one lesson you've learned about doing that. Patience. With yourself or others?
2: Um, Myself. Okay. Patience and then um, understanding that every event is important to that person. It isn't just because it's I do it over and over, the same thing or whatever, each person. And just, yeah, patience and and love for what you're doing. When you love something, Aaron, like yourself, Wes, in your business, if you love it and you walk in, it isn't work. Yes, it's physical and it's mental, whatever, but it's something that you get up in the morning you go, okay, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so that's, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we've done, I think a nice job of covering the catering side, but you guys have so much more than just the catering. Yes. You're really an entrepreneurial family. Let's get into Good. it. You've got other restaurants. You've got some secret sauce, mm-hmm. quite literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think I've even read in the past, I don't know if this is active, but you guys have kind of worked on equipment even yes. and trying to build some things. So, yes. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Do you want to start chronologically or what, what do you want to talk about on the other business front?
2: Um, yes, the, the sauce. Uh, we have a company in Iowa that does it for us. We mm-hmm. went down and John had it tested 100 million times, but we got it <laughs> as close as we can to what he does.
1: What's that process like?
2: For it, yeah, for to going for down
1: there. to make sure that it's exactly what you want can, it to be. Taste. Can I pause you for just one second? Mm-hmm.
0: The only reason why I want to do that is because those who are listening, who maybe don't know what the sauce That's is good, that yeah. we're talking about. So, in 1984, the Massad family um, started their restaurateur businesses right with Marais mm-hmm. in Mankato, known for the famous shawarma a very garlicky, garlicky, delicious sauce, which she probably won't share the recipe, but I've had some tell me. <laughs> uh, well, that's my one of my business partners tell me that he thinks, his guess is, that the secret ingredient is love. Now, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but maybe Najwa can expound on that eventually. But the shawarma is what we're talking about and the shawarma sauce that so many people, not only around southern Minnesota, but mm. elsewhere have learned to love. So this is the sauce we're talking about. I just want to make sure that I put that that's in there before people are going, what, what the hell is this sauce they're talking about? <laughs> it's the secret they, sauce. They, they put, don't get to know. <laughs> Najwa's family put the shawarma on the map in Mankato. There may be others that come around and claim they're the ones, but they're not the ones.
2: They're not. You they're may not.
0: Continue.
2: Yeah, thank you, Aaron. No, <laughs> they're not. It's, it's John's uh, um, recipe, and he's done it. The marinade, um, that's also the secret part of it. And honestly... I have no clue what the heck's in it <laughs> except the garlic. There's only three people in this world that know mm-hmm. the sauce 100%. That's John Massad, Carla, our daughter, and uh, one of our employees.
0: Seriously, Creepy. you don't know the recipe. I swear to you, I do not know. So you wouldn't even be able to tell me if love was involved in the yeah. love
2: is involved in everything we do. Okay, the there, you, there you go, Matt Long. You <laughs> yeah.
0: asked, you got it.
2: You know, it, there is love. Um, I once called this one employee of ours, and I trying to, you know, be myself or whatever. And I said, um, I need the. Um, I, I wrote down the recipe for the shawarma sauce, but I'm, I'm missing something. Tell me what's in it. You know, just give me what you know the the measurements, and there was silence. <laughs> I said, hello, I'm asking you a question, answer me. He goes, I won't tell you unless John tells me I can tell <laughs> you. Ah, <laughs> that's a what good employee. Be. So was so be. I couldn't get away with it, and I called John, I said, are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> that is a good employee, I love that. Yes, wow. he's
2: very loyal to John, not to Nacho. <laughs> 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 so no, I do not know, it's only, like I said, only three people. But yeah. know the true sauce of it, yes. Cool. And so, um, but again, we went down to um, Iowa, and John always, like, if you, if you go and have his chicken pasta salad or whatever, John makes mayonnaise by scratch. And that's and that's how he does his shawarma sauce. It's by scratch with the mm. eggs and so forth. So we had to find a company that did that, made their own mayonnaise, and to add the ingredients, because he didn't want to open the, you know, mayonnaise jar and, and, and do it. So Acne, um, Iowa, is where Mrs. Clark's is. Mm. And that's we went down there and tested and tested and tested until it got to as close as, as John would make it himself.
0: How did that conversation start? I, I have my guesses, but, you know, you got the places that people can go to to get your product. Mm-hmm. Just the demand of so many people saying, gosh, I love mm-hmm. your stuff, but I hate that I can only come to Mankato to get it.
2: Well, Is we'd that sell that kind it. of
0: how it started? Or? Well,
2: not really. Well, it was more where people would go up to Massad's at River Hills Mall and yes. say they wanted shawarma sauce to take home. Right. Yeah. We'd put them in Pepsi glass, cups.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, you got to be too much. I mean, people were asking for it. So I've always wanted to do this, um, do the shawarma sauce and the shawarma marinade sure. for for a long, long time. Carla's the one that, you know, always makes my, our dreams come true sometimes, yeah. so... Um, Marie's our, our artistic person. She can she designed olives and designed massads and the one that was unmarked. So she's our artistic designing person. Mm-hmm. And so um, the sauce uh, was because of that. And I remember when we made the first batch, um, Hilltop High V had ordered 10 cases. So we took it up. And then it was on the radio. We were with um, TJ and Lisa at that time. And... Hy-Vee called and said, we need more. So we were hauling cases of shawarma sauce up to hy V. <laughs> it was one of their top sellers.
0: That's amazing. Top Not sellers surprising. besides
2: Pepsi. Pepsi had come up with a new th- thing. But on the SKU, it was the, um, the largest. And so when John was up at Massad's and doing the shawarma and so forth, Shields was just, you know, it wasn't the Shields it is now. Of course, it's a lot bigger was um, one of the gentlemen, Matt, was one of the um, workers there. Mm -hmm. And then um, would come and have shawarmas all the time. And so when he was moved up in Shields and became a director, they were um, talking about what should we do something different um, at Shields. They've got, you know, we have Mankato Shields here, and um, the cafe is really small, but they have, like, cafe, like, huge Mm Where you can sit down and so forth. If you go to um, Eden Prairie, they have one in Eden Prairie now.
1: It's one of the biggest, isn't it? The, the biggest Prairie stores, yeah.
2: yes. But the cafe is not as big as the others. Mm-hmm. The others, I um, they think, they have twenty six of them that are, are quite large. And so Matt had um, emailed Carla and called and said, you know, something about, um, you know, if you can give us a call and see what Shields can do with um, with the Massads. Carla thought, oh, they want gift cards. Because they come quite often, and it was around the holidays, and she figured, you know, they wanted to, you know, buy some gift cards, so she calls Matt, and he said to her, "We thought we'd like, you know, think about maybe partnering, you know, being partners with the uh, Masads with the Shawarma." And she's going, "What? Shields? Where?" And then he explained that they had cafes. Um, they're called Gina's, which was the grandmother of Mr. Shields. And so we went up to Fargo and uh, John, Carla, and I, and we did shawarmas for the employees, and then we went up to the boardroom. And other people have asked John to have the shawarma at their spot, and it just didn't feel right to be with that. Shields is completely different. They're so family-orientated, as I'm sure you know of just from, from here, uh, that when we did the shawarmas and we went up and we talked to the board and so forth, it felt just like the right fit. And like Carla said, we were just, uh, we were dating to begin with. You know, we didn't know each other. This is Carla's words. I should quote say that. But Go um, Carla. Yes. Good words. Yes, we're dating, and then all of a sudden we were engaged, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we were married. Yeah. So right now um, we're in, I want to say, nine different stores, um, cafes in Shields, and uh, expanding. That's so awesome. So it's going it is, well. It's going very well. That's very awesome. Well. Very well. Yes. Very good for you guys. Yes. That's awesome. We ship a lot of
0: chicken. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> chicken. I can't even say a the chicken word. Of, a lot of chicken. And a lot of sauce. And, and then they obviously sell the shawarma sauce at the locations yes. too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But it's under the name Gina's?
2: It's the the name Genus, but it says Masad's Shawarmas. Got it. And it has John's face there too. Got it. Very so, cool.
0: Yes. I wondered where that was at, honestly, when I was in Shields a couple months ago. Um, and I uh, I thought about that. I thought I wonder if they're still doing that partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had asked in you guys Eden last time. Is that what you well? Mean? No, just in, in. is there one in Mankato no, at all? No, no, no,
2: because they don't have the room for it.
0: Okay, and yeah. I and obviously you guys are just down the way in the food court yes, too, so it yes, doesn't always yeah, totally yeah, make sense, no, I suppose. Yeah. But
1: do you guys have other retail spots? Are you still doing High V or any Hy-Vee, other grocery stores?
2: Cubs, um, St. Peter Co-op. Okay. And um, we've got Hybe here. We've got Hybe in Rochester. Um, where else do we have Hybe? There's another Hybe. I'm trying to think of where. New Ulm. Okay. To the Germans. So, yeah, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> yeah, the
0: Germans. Hey, if they can eat the sauerkraut, they can have some shawarma <laughs> sauce. Come on now. So you've developed uh, quite a nice retail business then for this. We do. Yeah. We do.
2: We're, yes, we're, we're very blessed. Yes.
0: How, how does John um, like having his face on the jar? Loves it. Does he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he would admit it?
2: <laughs>
3: mm, maybe not in no, front of no, us, but maybe no, to you? Yes,
2: yes. No, he wouldn't <laughs> to me, but I, I, I've known him for 50 years. I think I can read his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
0: Well, good for him. He's earned that. He's you earned guys have everything.
2: Earned that. that's, no, that's he wonderful. has. He has. Yeah. He's,
0: yeah. So... Um, how is it like to you know you go home at the end of the night you guys are a family that's always uh taking care of other people right mm-hmm. you're in the business of hospitality so how does that work on the on the home front i mean do you just uh Throw something in the microwave. Do you order in, <laughs> or you, you get at the <laughs> restaurant do you, before you do go? you know home? John? You're Masad? like, you're like, uh, I'm so we're so tired of doing this for everybody else. You know, no, I don't. I don't know him that well. So does he? He comes home no. and whip something up, awesome all the time. John, he, yeah, no. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know.
2: We used to go to Olive's every single night. You that's, guys would sit in that, yes, that corner, right yes, there. Yes, yes, I've yeah. seen yeah. him there I've many seen, a time. Yes, yep. and then COVID hit. Okay, so then. We, of course, nobody was down there. And then when we did have, you know, the business opening again, um, he likes to sit out on his deck and have his scotch mm. and have a cigar at the end of the evening. So he got used to that during the summer.
1: John and I have a lot of things in common. There's at least <laughs> two or three things there that I'm a big fan of. And,
2: he, and, he, he, and he, you know, it's about time instead of sitting at the restaurant all the time. Now we're back into the habit of going back to the restaurant because it's winter. So you'll see, it used to be Marie and Carla and the whole family. And now with the grandchildren, Marie doesn't come as often because uh, little John has to go to bed early. Sure. And Carla's in the cities. Uh, she's got the two, so if she, she's down there, I'm with the kids up at home. But like tonight, he goes, so are you going to come down? And I said, no. Remember, I told you I wasn't going to be home until later. <laughs> so... He goes, so I won't wait for you? And I said, no. But no, I'm the Lebanese wife. Um, I go home. Like right now, before I came, I made sure everything was ready on the table for him. Um, I do the cooking at home. Only if I'm working like at the Civic Center and I'm really tired and I'm not going to get home until 8 o'clock, then he'll he'll, make, he'll cook dinner. But 90% of the time, I'm the one that makes dinner.
0: Yes. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy cooking in general?
2: Its just like habit, yeah, yeah I cook a lot of lebanese, sure, so what's your that, favorite thing to cook what's my favorite thing? oh, I love um kimbi um okay. tabuli, um, yeah, and just all of it
1: there's um is it grape leaf grape yeah, yeah. grape leaves yes and what is that um there's a, a normal traditional Lebanese dish that often uses that. I had a Lebanese girlfriend when I was in high school, mm. and she had some relatives that. that made well yeah, we can Talk about that offline. Um.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Well, Do you have any here. questions, I have nothing <laughs> else to say. This <laughs> is <laughs> your opportunity, Najra, to throw something back at Wes. Oh. Make him <laughs> feel a little uncomfortable. Well, I this don't know if we need to open that door. But uh,
1: <laughs> but I, I can't remember what the dish was. There was something that her family made quite often, and it involved grape leaf. Yeah, and it's and grape I had leaves.
2: You put meat and rice. Yeah, exactly. Is it just called lemon. Grape, grape leaves? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That was good. Yes, yes. Yeah, Lebanese food is good. And Sunday, right. again, it's family, t- you know, it's Moraine and Nick come with um, little John, my Aunt Donna comes, my brother and his wife come, so on Sunday, you know, you think it's a day of rest, but um, go to church, and then after church, I get everything ready before, and uh, noon, everybody's at the house, and we're all sitting around the table having dinner and or lunch, and that's just the way it is.
0: It's nice. Yeah. It seems like your um, the Lebanese culture is, is very family oriented um just from you know not only your family but tony Mm -hmm. um and others that i've met is is that and probably probably a very surface comment but what does family mean to the lebanese i mean and and do you think that it's a lot deeper than the normal american family
2: i used to think that I used to think, you know, we were, you know, Lebanese always had to take care of their families and all that. And then I realized, um, no, I think it's how you're you brought up, how you see your family, um, treating their parents. Uh, you know, my mom and dad were ill, and uh, it was automatic that I was there. My brother was there. It was just that, you didn't think about it. I mean, every night we were there until, you know, with mom, we were there. It's just in my dad, same thing. And I uh, remember um, someone saying to me, um, and I think I said that to John. I called him once because I hadn't seen him. And I said, uh, this sounds really tacky. I said, are you upset because I'm not coming home or whatever? And he said to me, are you kidding me? You are where you're supposed to be. That is your father. And don't forget, what your daughter see you doing is something that they're going to do because they're not going to know any different. Right. I shouldn't say that. They don't know any different. But then that's the way it is. They're watching. Mm-hmm. And they're watching and they're seeing. And that's exactly Comes back the back to the thing. lead
1: by example. It does. Mm-hmm. It
2: does. And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how. So it, it, it isn't, it's culture, yes. Culture is a huge thing. Uh, like the Lebanese culture, the son doesn't leave when he's 18. You know, they don't say, okay, you go to college you go out no you're, you're here you know you get married just you, you know you come home you go every night to your parents house or whatever and every sunday you grab the whole family like we do and so it's it's constant it's constant um that part of it is very um culture wise um here no we let our we let our kids fly we let them do it there no like if john doesn't see little john or marie where are they why aren't, why aren't they here? Why are they coming? Just like, give us a break. You know, could it just be you and I? Nope. <laughs> call them. I used to get so angry. Call them. If I wouldn't call them, he'd call Maureen. Where are you at? Well, then she maybe didn't want to come, but her father called, so then she drags poor Nick, and <laughs> Well, that's and kind of what I was over. wondering,
0: too, you know, because yeah. there's different families have different dynamics with that, of mm-hmm. course, but mm-hmm. cultures are different, too. So I yeah. was curious. It just mm-hmm. seems like you guys are very, you have a very close system, uh, a family here, and I think oh. that's that's really cool. I, I actually, mm-hmm. um, I think there's probably not enough of that. I think we could learn a little bit no, from, it, from it, it, the way that you guys are close as a family. So that's wonderful.
2: Yeah, we go on vacations together. <laughs> <We don't
3: laughs> Never go by, get a break. We don't yeah. go by ourselves. How often do
0: you talk about the restaurants and your businesses when you're away, or do you, Are you we able do. to shut it off? We, no, no, it's no, hard. It's, just it's, it's part our of life. every it's conversation. Us. It I completely is. Yep. Yeah, it's it our is. life. Yeah.
1: Uh, one thing that Aaron touched on a little bit when he mentioned Tony, there's a lot of, um, Mankato has a number of Lebanese families that yeah. have kind of become a really big part of the fabric and how this city is formed. Uh, I can think of the Abdos, the Sadakas, and of course the Mossads. Um, how much did you guys interact when you originally came to Mankato? Good question. Was there, was there a lot of camaraderie? Was it, um, how did that all yes. work?
2: Yes, very much so because again, yeah. my mother didn't speak very much. Uh, she didn't speak any English, but um, and the, the the people that were here, whether it was the um, the pharaohs, the sadakas, the jabras, the ramis. yeah, jabras, yeah, I I, mean, I can yeah. name mokuls mm-hmm. th- There's uh, they were they were here like before the sadakas and so forth. You had the mokuls the jabras, the um, um shalhubs. Yeah. So they were all here, and there was. My mother could speak to them. They'd understand her because of their parents. They could understand, you know, the parents when they talked. So it was the Antones. We used to go visit the Antones.
1: All these names that I'm forgetting that all all of a sudden you're running through them, and I'm going, wow, there's even more than I remembered.
2: But just think of, you know, the Lebanese culture, the Lebanese um, people. um, Very proud Mm -hmm. people um, and very successful. Yeah. Which one of the ones that I'm talking about have not been successful? Antones, remember the Gamble Robinson, that was way before your time. The Jabros had the liquor stores. Pharaohs mm-hmm. um, the same thing. They had the liquor stores. Uh, Sadaka's with the restaurant. Uh, Mokels, I mean, every one yeah. of us, every one of us, um, have succeeded and have brought something to to this town of Mankato. Um, Herb Mokel yeah. was the mayor. You know, it's it's Lebanese is is is. Embedded is that, that's is that how they say it into the fabric of Mankato. Absolutely, very it's, much so. Um, you know, we talk German and all that too. But don't forget, the Lebanese also had a huge part in in this town and, and what it's what it has become.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yes, that's that's wonderful. That's, that's very cool. And those, yeah, those family names, Wes. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I I don't know all of them personally, and uh, but I know I've heard of them. Or I've met some people lineage down, you yeah. know.
1: My parents bought Vicky Jabra's yes. house yeah, okay, on so Brown's yeah. Court, yes. so I recognize that name instantly, yes. too. It's just fun when you go through them and you start mm-hmm. thinking. And then you bring up her mogul, and yeah. you are now mayor as well. So Isn't we've it? had two Lebanese mayors. Yes. Um, yeah. Not to, maybe, maybe that's a good segue, actually. Uh, what was really the calling that caused you to decide to run for mayor?
2: The community, the um, definitely not the politics. That part is not. Um, it, it, it's this community, and and I've always said, John and I worked hard, but it was this community that um, gave us that opportunity to live that American dream, and uh, how do you how do you how do you say thank you? How do you um, how do you give back? You can give back with um, opening businesses and making um, uh, employers, uh, employees uh, able to have a place to work, you know, citizens and so forth. But how do you give back? And I've always, um, as a young girl, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Well, I never became a lawyer. Um, Got into the hospitality business instead. (laughs) uh, Why did you want to be a lawyer? I like to argue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Going back to your rebellious streak a little there. I knew she had it in
2: her. So the, the, that's the thing. And how, you know, you know, just, you know, I've, I've always, I've loved this. I love this town. I absolutely love this town. That's I mean, evident. It, th- thank you, because it, it's so true. Like, I get passionate mm-hmm. about it. And uh, I was on the planning and zoning 18 years. I keep saying they forgot about me because you're only supposed to serve nine. And it just <laughs> continued and continued. And finally, it was just like, okay. Um I, I enjoyed that part, um, never took anything you know like uh you, know, you become on the planning zone and you know what things are happening and you can i don't want to say invest, but you can you know what's happening. I never thought about it that way, and then um I ran for city council twice, twice i lost you know i didn't i didn't make it and i then I thought, okay, the second time I thought okay this isn't that isn't my calling, so forget it did, and then um Eric Anderson was not going to run again. And so I was at a... um, I'm on the Greater Mankato Board. I was on the Executive Committee Mm -hmm. and still am. We were in a meeting and they were talking about Eric Anderson leaving and so forth. And Chad Supernut, do you know Chad? Oh, yeah. Looked at me and he goes, why don't you run? I said, are you nuts? (laughs) I said, I'm not running. Did it twice, didn't work. ain't happening. And he goes... No, you should run. And then all the others go, Well yeah, why don't you? And I go, God, you're wacko (laughs) I said, No, no. So got done with our meeting and I left. It kept popping into my head and thinking to myself, You know, what? And then I had asked Chad, I said, Why are you telling me to run? Why I mean what he goes, think about it. You're an immigrant. So you know what it's like to come to a country and what it's like not to be part of it and have to struggle through it. You're a woman. You know how hard it is to get into things and to be treated as a male part. You've got children. You've raised your children in this town. You know what it's like for a family to raise their children, the schools and so forth, you're a small business owner. You know the struggles. You know what it's like to start from scratch and go down and go up and go down and go up. You know all those. What better person to have a little bit of everything that people have gone through to understand because nobody understands if unless they've gone through it. Yeah. And that kept coming into my mind over and over and over. And, I, you know, again, the church part, the faith, church... You know, just like, okay. You know, should I, should I not? What should I? and I kept thinking to myself, ask myself the same question, why do you want to run? Why? Just so you can be called a mayor? No. If you know people and people call me mayor, I'll look at them and I'll say my name is Nashua. That was a
1: good way to start the podcast. Yeah. Good job, no, Wes. Wow. No, but
2: no, that's that's me. That's yeah. it's a title.
1: That's the first time I've called you Mayor Massad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I did that mostly for the audience. Yeah, no,
2: um, that titles are nothing to me. Um, that doesn't. It's it's the heart of what goes into it, and so I said to John, I said I'm thinking about running for mayor. He said no. No.
1: <laughs> if you want Najwa to do something, tell John to tell her no. <laughs>
3: yeah. That's usually that, the trend here.
2: Usually, yes, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Um, so I thought, okay, and then I said to my daughters, um, Carla said to me, "Why do you want to run?" I said, "Because I love this community. I love Mankato, and." I can try to understand. I'm not going to fully understand everything everybody goes through because everybody's story is a little different. And you don't, you know, something that I've gone through, they might not have gone through it, but I can still understand a little bit. So I was explaining it to her. She goes, okay. She goes, if you want to run for mayor, we'll support you, and you'll win. I went, okay. She goes, you're going to have to knock at doors. I said, Oh
1: hmm. okay. <laughs> it's a really underestimated part of the job.
2: Yes it is. But you know what? When she saw me going knocking on doors to see if I could put my you know, little signs out, third one, I came in, you know, and everybody was saying, you know, had said yes, so I was very lucky. Um, she said to me, I you just proved to me that you really are serious about this. I go, You don't think I'm serious? And she goes, you just proved to me that if you can, because she knows I'm very, qui- I am, <laughs> you don't think I'm quiet. <laughs> I am quiet. And for me to be able to knock at someone's door, that takes a lot, a lot of, you know, guts to do for me. Sure. And then she saw that I was doing it because it's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to um, to give back to the citizens in the community. Can you do it 100%? You can't please everybody. But all I can say is, you know, when we went through a lot of the things d- during COVID and stuff, you just pray that you're doing the right thing. And you have to do it what you believe in your heart is right. And as long as I can put my head on the pillow and go to sleep at night, then I know that I've done what I can do. You know, uh, that's, that's the most important thing. I, and you have to have empathy. Mm -hmm. If you don't have empathy, then, you know, go find something else to do.
1: Well, I think Chad hit the nail on the head when he went through all of the different areas of life that you touch on that are important to the everyday Mankato citizen. Um, A lot of people think about elected office, especially at a city level, and think of the same thing that they think about governors or presidents right they think of these broad sweeping kind of decision making folks which is really funny because you know now from being in the Mm -hmm. office that that's not the case um a lot of it ends up being budgets and mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know streets and lights and utilities and how do we keep clean water and that's a lot of the focus. That's what would you say ninety percent of your time is spent on basic services that the city offers, right?
2: And that's and that's it. We're um, Mankito. Um, we have a city manager. You know, a lot of places, city administrator, where the mayor mm-hmm. would be the one that fires and hires and so forth. And here we have a city. Um, Manager and that city manager manages the city. Yes, that city manager um, comes back and we make the decisions with them, but they're the ones that tell us. You know, right? They're the they're the um, the ones that know everything. Mm-hmm. They're the experts. We're not. You know, we we can listen and we you know we listen to this and we listen to that, and that's why citizens. You know, very important. When I was on the planning and zoning, that's what taught me. If we had something and nobody came to disagree with it to us, that means it was okay. You know, staff recommended it, staff, then let's, you know, pass it because no one else is here to tell us any different. So that taught me that people do have to step up and say something. They might not get what they want, but their voice is heard. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the important part. That's the beauty of our country, that the voices are heard. You know, the first... The very first council meeting I had was probably the worst council meeting I'll ever have. I had no clue. <laughs> Come on.
1: You mean procedurally? and Well, procedurally, that yes, yeah.
2: yes, yes. We had, there was a situation and uh, people were, you know, talking. We had a lot of citizens there and uh, I told them they couldn't talk anymore. We had, you know, there was enough. I can't, I'm not supposed to say that. And then I said, we'd table it. You know, the council member looked at me and they go, you can't table it. And I'm going, then somebody. So, no, I'll never forget that. Now I keep my mouth shut and I let people talk. But I only give them three minutes. Okay,
1: (laughs) sure, yeah.
2: So, yes, um, the love of this community, the citizens, the the giving back, I think, is more um, than anything else to be mayor. You know, have, have I done stuff that later on I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't have or maybe I should have thought about it. Not really because I don't make the decision myself. We have a wonderful council. We all are together. And the beauty of it is we don't always agree, which is good because Mm -hmm. you don't want a council that always agrees on things. You know, We'll talk back and forth. Some people vote yes, some people vote no. But at the end, each one votes what they believe in. And that's what... At the end, it's the citizens that we serve. It's this community. To me, I, I don't care about budgets. You know, I, I know my budget's at work and so forth, and I rely on my staff to give me the information for me to look at it and say yes or no. My job as mayor is to be the cheerleader of Mankato, to let them know how great Mankato is. And to thank the people that opening new businesses or coming into this community, what what a wonderful community it is! It's the cheerleading. Other people can do their job. To me, when we went to legislative um, session on for um, At the, the chamber, cabinet. yes, yeah. and it was it was the legislators, the, um, the senators, and so forth. We need that bonding bill to do the wastewater treatment.
1: Yeah, that's it huge. isn't for
2: me it isn't just for it's for it's not just for Mankato it's a Southern region Minnesota. what the heck it's mm-hmm. not on the bonding Are you crazy?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: you know that's that, that's a bunch of BS So my job partly that night was to talk with Senator France to talk with representative um, Fredericks to talk to Senator Rosen from um, Fairmont to get them you know to understand and they all understood. We just need to get it because that's what Mankato needs. That's what we need. That, we have the best water in, in all of Minnesota. And it's because of the hard work that was the previous administration working on it. We used to make fun of, you know, oh, yeah, they're just working on water. You know, we can be doing <laughs> other things. But until you know how important it is. Huge. It's huge. Yep. But, again, I didn't know it. I was naive until I came and sat on the seat that I'm sitting at now that I understand, you know, our wastewater recoveries, it's, it's, I mean, we've got the river, we've got, yeah. yeah. Wake up, get it done.
1: <laughs> super, super important. Um, when you ran for office, did you have any specific items that you were passionate about championing with your, your fellow city council members and trying to accomplish some certain goals? Uh, and how have those gone so far?
2: My one biggest one of my biggest goals was, of course, small businesses and understanding the the struggles that they go through. Um, uh, because we don't all we don't have that money, you know, little nest put away that we can um, work. People that open small businesses, what is um, Jay Long's or whether it's the Massads or any other um, Pearson's or any other families that come together to, to 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 make a better life for themselves and their community. Um, there's a lot of struggles, uh, but as business owners, we don't let, our, um, let any of our customers or our guests know because it's really not any of their concerns, but it, it, it's our concern, and it's something that we have to put a happy face out in the back and then in the back sit there and work as hard as we can to make the success that we have. Um, so that was one. The next thing was retention, keeping um, our young. Yeah, we've got, you've got um, Mankato State University, Minnesota University, Mankato. You've got Bethan. You've got Gus Davis. You've got um, Rasmussen. You've got so many, you know, the colleges and universities around here that we got to try to keep them here.
3: Mm-hmm. Our yeah. problem
2: is that we try to keep our kids when they become like. Um, juniors and seniors when when they're juniors they're already looking yeah. you know for what what chicago or whatever we got to get them invested in this community at a younger. whether it's the end of freshman or sophomore once they're invested in a business or they're invested in the community they have they stay mm-hmm. so how do we invest them how do we work with the university to keep them here south central you know, it's a technical college, but you know the culinary. They've got the cul- why are these kids going to the cities? They've got restaurants here that they can work with welding, all mm-hmm. those different things. How do we keep them livability? Come on, people, Mankato is is livability. Mm-hmm. What don't we have? We've got the best schools, we've got the trails, we've got the river, we've got entertainment, we've got everything. We're an hour and a half from the city, so if we get tired of Mankato, we drive there and we come back to a community that is small but rich in everything. So that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest things, the retention. How do we keep our young people here?
1: And how's that going from a goal standpoint? What specifically has the city been working on? And and what uh, can maybe we even help with, Aaron and I as business owners, but also through this platform, help try and further from a a young person retention, Mm -hmm. especially I think um, labor force is is a huge challenge for a lot of businesses, myself included. And so if there's ways that we can assist in that, how can we assist and, and what is the city council currently working on?
2: Um, I don't know if, what the city council. We're working on a lot of a lot of things, but um, me personally, um, meeting with was da- uh, President Davenport. Now it's President Inch, and seeing what we can do as um, like Taylor Corporation, um, Datsun, um, <laughs> MTU, who used to be Cato Light, and so forth. How do these large companies? T- grab these kids at, the, at, the, at that sophomore. I want that young. I don't want to wait till they're seniors. How do we work with that? So that's something that we're working together on to see what we can do to keep um, do like internships. You know like in uh, European countries um, I'm going to then name the apprentice.
1: Oh sure, apprenticeships. Yeah.
2: Apprenticeship. Why don't we do this apprenticeships? Why don't we do that for the young? You know a, a young high school kid that's thinking about culinary have them start my daughter Carla wanted to become a doctor. Murray mm-hmm. wanted to become a teacher. Well, Carla ended up in accounting at St. Thomas. Murray graduated from MSU with um, construction management and interior designing. It wasn't something that they wanted. They wanted something, but then found out that that wasn't <laughs> their goal. So why not keep them here? You know, college, you know, they've got to, That at that time, maybe they want to go out and, and Not stay in Mankato, although we have the best schools. Um, But the ones that are from out of town, keep them, invest them in this town. How do we do it? How do they get them to um, Weston for you to come? Jay Long's Ha, how do you bring them in to to get them invested in that? You know, culinary, if they're at South Central, grab them when they're freshmen's. You know their first year, have them come for a couple hours. You know, then all of a sudden they get used to the um, the system that John Massad has. Um, You know, Jayla, how do you buy the products and so forth, and keep them? That's that's the apprenticeship is very very important. Um, Yeah, how how do we do it? I that's I wish I had a crystal ball and I wish I knew how to do it.
1: That's a problem everyone's working on right now, and and we're all trying to strive towards solutions. I know. Uh, Mankato Area Public Schools has a business advisory Mm -hmm. uh, group that's constantly looking at what kind of coursework can we add. Uh, I, along with a few other folks, serve on that, especially Colleen Van Blarkham. um, Yes. Looking at it from a hospitality side, too. Okay, so what can we teach, you know? And as simple as it is, counting change and basic customer service skills and some of those types of things that the high school level that then translates into some of those job fields but what's the hook that gets them to stay the skill isn't necessarily what's going to get them to stay so yeah it's it's a definite challenge and um one that i think we're all eagerly looking for a solution to yes
2: the crystal ball right exactly i think
0: uh no i think you guys are absolutely right on that I, i i think you're right with the whole job situation and apprenticeship and being involved in the community i also think that uh there needs, you know, Mankato has done a good job. But Obviously, we're always looking to to be better and to strive to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, having places like Better Stone, uh, mm-hmm. Amphitheater, and having uh, good concerts come in for music and, and having fun things to do is also important for a lot of young people today, you know. Yeah. Um, we're an hour and a half, like you said, away from the Twin Cities, so it's easy to consider if I'm going to do something fun, I hear my... Younger staff say this all the time. (laughs) Let's go to the cities. Let's go out in the cities, you know, things like that. Now they still go out here too. But um, a lot of people know that um, we all remember being younger and wanting to do those things at places when we had the time. So I I think it's it's having opportunities, of course, for employment and being paid a a decent wage, Mm -hmm. but it's also what's fun, what's going to keep me engaged, what's going to help me find my significant other, Mm-hmm. Locally, Is there enough things <laughs> to do? It's a nice
1: way of putting it. Well, that. I mean, <laughs> hey, eventually yes. you
0: get to that age, right? You're looking for that. And whether you elope and leave. <laughs> yes, or and then come yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> and then come back. I don't know. Um, so I think that's important, too. And I, I see really creative minds and, and fun things going on with Mankato. We talked before the podcast started about Hockey Day Minnesota and how much uh, brain power and efforts and volunteers and everything that got put into that. And, again, kudos to the whole the whole group that we're a part of that um but it's it's things like that it's the Eric Jones bringing in fantastic mm-hmm. bands it's the crew mm-hmm. um yep. doing doing big things so i think that's wonderful um i got to ask you and i don't know if i'm jumping ahead here but i got a few questions for you on oh,
2: okay
0: Unless you're any Multiple else choice? Less.
1: No, I think it's good to move to you. I've been picking Najwa's brain, and we're almost two hours in at this point. So. Yeah. Look oh, at, my is, God, is, it is. Isn't it crazy?
0: How fast did it feel like it's it went for you? Yes, I
2: told John 8:30 I'd be home. Yes. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in trouble.
0: You are in trouble. So we'll, we'll go with this. All right. I'm going to ask you a few questions. We'll go quick on these. All right. Um, you talked about your, your kids, your children, right? All the people that have worked for you and everything else. But I want to know what's your favorite. What's your favorite place? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite business that you own? Do you have a baby that's just a little bit more special than the others?
2: Yeah, Nashville's Catering is
3: mine. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> there you go. I of—I was going to guess that if I had to guess. Yeah, but that's not a big shark. I love it. Um, if you could only have one meal for the rest of your life, mm. all right, one you, meal. You don't have to save the cheese chilito or anything else from <laughs> Zan's. That's okay. It's,
1: you get a pass. But you can.
0: Um, one meal for the rest of your life, um, what would that be? Could be. Okay. And explain what that is again.
2: It's, um, it's like a sirloin, and then you put cracked wheat in it, you can eat it either tartare, or you can bake it, or you can charbroil it. So I'd have different ways of making it, so I wouldn't have to be eating the same
1: thing. That I'm going to have to try that. That I really <laughs>
0: good. I see what she did there. There's multiple ways of making it, so yeah. she, she was smart yeah, about that. Was that. smart. Yeah, We're going to yeah. have to go out to eat after this. Oh, man. It <laughs> Sh- goes back to that sharp mind. Thing that she says <laughs> yeah. she doesn't have. That was a sharp answer. I like that. Uh, and what would you like to say to those clients of yours, those passionate clients of yours who believed in you and John early on before you had really proven yourself to the Mankato community, um, but have supported you over the years? Many maybe have passed on now, but the people that have helped build up your, your family's businesses, what would you like to say to them in a message
2: just want to say thank you and I hope we made you proud
0: amen I think you have Najwa thank Mossad you. I won't call you mayor because I know don't. you don't want that no. but we do appreciate you serving this community I think you. you're a bright spot um, and we hope that uh, we will be able to continue to enjoy all your wonderful contributions in restaurant form and others for many many years to come Yes, thank you so much for all that you do for
1: Cato. It's a pleasure to serve on GMG's board as the counter-hospitality voice with you and, and kind of fight those good fights. And uh, looking forward to a part two because there's probably a bunch of questions I left on the table and I think Aaron too. And so hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast at some point.
2: Thank you. It was my honor. Thank you to both of you very much. I appreciate thank you. it. Thank you.